Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network, the podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? Today, our subject is, it's kind of like a something a coach might say, which is I have imposter syndrome, help. Uh, although I might, I would argue that um, a coach might not say I have imposter syndrome. And that's the first thing I wanted to talk about, actually. And actually, before we even start talking about that, I just want to mention that you and Garrett did an amazing free series podcast on this already. It was a little, it was last year, it was in 2021. So if anybody wants a really good deep dive into the definition of imposter syndrome, the process, coaching process, and also technical knowledge side of it, go back to the three series and I'll include the link in when we're done with this, I'll include the links to those so you can see those. Perfect. Yeah. We had fun with that one. We did three episodes, <laughs> so we weren't bored. A lot of less. Yeah, you yeah. went off on a tangent at the end and it and it was, what us? No. <laughs> and you said, okay, well, only I remember Garrett, he said, I'm only going to give us five minutes to talk about this. And then I looked at the clock and there was still 20 minutes left. <laughs> so yeah, a little more than five minute tangent. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to pick up? Obviously we don't want to repeat what we did a couple of years ago. So uh, where would you like to pick up? Yes. I want to kind of look at this from a, like a coach's standpoint. So when I first discovered financial coaches network or financial coaches community i was very much in this stage of wow i don't know anything and so i want to kind of take it from that perspective truly like okay i'm a new coach or maybe i have some experience but i'm getting this feeling i'm not calling it imposter syndrome because that's not what we it's technical we tell it technically that but a coach might not say that so right. some of the new things you might hear from a coach would be you know i just went through this training and, but I feel like no matter how much I learn, I feel like I don't know anything at all. Or mm -hmm. we might hear them say, you know, oh, I don't know what to talk about with my clients at the next meeting. Can you give me some ideas? So we get a lot of those kind of questions in the community. And I feel like those all kind of center around this idea of imposter syndrome. So mm -hmm. I wanted to start with like a simple, quick 10 second definition of, which I knew you can't do 10 seconds, couple minute definition of imposter syndrome. Yeah, so imposter syndrome comes out of psychological research, and the short version of it is as we learn more about a topic, we actually understand more of what we don't understand. And that fact, the fact that we can actually understand things and see more of what we don't understand makes us feel like we don't know as much. Oftentimes, imposter syndrome takes the form of people who are experts and they feel like they're just an imposter and someday people are going to figure it out. Right. Yeah. It also comes into play because as you learn something a lot, as you get really, really good at something, it becomes easy. 
And people feel, well, why are they paying me for this? This is so easy. So that's another thing that kind of factors into what we generally call imposter syndrome. And then there's the fact that sometimes we have imposter syndrome because we are imposters, right? <laughs> um, there's something in the back of our head that lets us know there's a lot more to it than I know, but I'm afraid of letting anyone know. And so we put up a veneer of bravado, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we can ascribe the concept of imposter syndrome to. Right. Yeah. I've seen that a lot, that last one a lot in business. Yeah. Yeah. The, the veneer of bravado. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Okay, great. And if anybody has any questions or wants clarification, you can just put a, a comment in the in the uh, the chat here. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you guys talked about this before, you talked about two main causes, at least in the coaching world. Uh, and and I kind of found a third one that I want to talk about as well. That's great. Kind of kind of a little of both of those really. Um, one is is lack of technical knowledge. We'll start mm -hmm. with the kind of kind of the easy, more obvious one. So I remember when I first started as a coach, I had been budgeting for my family for, I don't even know, it was over 10 years. And I kind of felt, I felt like, oh yeah, I kind of, I know budgeting pretty well. And then I went through a training program and I felt like I knew even less. <laughs> and then the more I learned through this community and through launch, I just realized how much I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. so, it really got worse and worse. I was, I think I was, I'm not sure how long I was on Mount Stupid. It was a while, but um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It sounds like you were on Mount Stupid while you were uh, budgeting for your family and that you like, knocked yourself off Mount Stupid pretty quickly as you did those <laughs> trainings. Right. That's true. That's true. It made right? me realize. Yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. I was being right at the bottom then. Yeah. Yeah. And Mount Stupid is the phenomenon where people who don't know very much feel really confident about everything that they know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew everything about budgeting for personal finance because I knew everything that I needed to know that worked for my family. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Within that limited space. Yeah. And even then, I really didn't know everything I needed to know for my family, actually. <laughs> But you, when you don't know, you don't know. And that's one of the big dangers of when people say, well, if you figured it out, you can coach other people, right? What you figured out, what works, works for one very specific person in one very specific set of circumstances. And that's a, that's a real danger um, to then go out and try to replicate that with tons of other people. Right. Yeah. I discovered quickly when I started working mm -hmm. with clients. Yes. Yeah. So I think what, what I really want to tackle is, you know, somebody, a new coach, come, or maybe not a new coach, a coach comes in and says, I feel like I need to know more. Mm -hmm. How do they figure out what is it you need to know? Like, what is the problem? What's the root of the issue that we need to fix? So is it technical knowledge? Is it a process? Is there something else that's happening that? So how does a coach figure out how do I get through this? How do I get out of having imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think I, that's a really hard thing to to figure out because, you know, that's kind of like asking a five-year-old. I want you to figure out what is the best method of teaching yourself algebra. Okay. 
it's not going to go well. Now, theoretically, it could happen, right? Because at one point, people who didn't know algebra and no one else knew algebra, they invented algebra. Well, they were geniuses, though. (laughs) They were geniuses that spent their entire lives or three years of their lives devoting nothing but to that exploration, right? Right. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's possible, but it's not at a very efficient use of time. So if, if someone's feeling like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like I have imposter syndrome, do they just, what question can they ask? Like, why do I have that feeling? Like, what's causing that? Is it, I feel like I don't know enough. I feel like, because like, the process thing really is important too. And we didn't, haven't talked about that yet, but. So, well, the first step and just go back to your high school science class, hopefully what you learn in your high school science class, right? What is the first step in the scientific process? I see now you remember? That's okay. I, have, I was like, I don't know, I have an engineering degree, but. It's gonna be the same. When I say this, you're gonna go, oh yeah, we learned that in engineering you, too. You ask a question, is that what? Yeah, it's defining the problem. You pose a question, right, yeah. Yeah, it's defining the problem, right? What What is it exactly that we're trying? Let, defining the problem is not just getting a generic, we're trying to do this, right? It's getting in detail what exactly are we trying to accomplish what are the requirements so on and so forth and you learned that in engineering you just called it something different right 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 yeah so when we look at this idea of defining the problem that's the really the first step in dealing with imposter syndrome is really getting clear on what am i feeling imposter syndrome about not i'm feeling imposter syndrome about my coaching no no what things are triggering it? What is the topic? Where, what are the questions that people are really exploring what that is? If you're finding you're getting a lot of imposter syndrome because clients are asking you about tax-related things, right? Or they're asking you about questions and you're worried because you think that taxes might have an impact on it, but you're not really sure, right? As we start to explore that more, that starts to give us a direction to start to move in. Okay. That makes right? sense. Right. Um, and then that's we... Fun. Go ahead. No, I just think that's, that's kind of from the technical side, right? Of where you need more knowledge. Maybe. <laughs> right? It could also be a process side. Well, that's, I want to talk about process too, because okay. I think that's, that's the one that I think people don't think about. And I'm, so, I'm a process crazy. I'm a project manager too. So I love process. And so for me, process is obvious, but I think some people might not realize that. Like I, I know I've seen all the time. I see this. I feel like a lot of people saying, Hey, I don't know what to talk about with my client. Can you give me ideas about what to cover during XX meeting? And that's a process thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But even the tax thing is a process thing, or it can be the solution could be process. So for example, you're uncomfortable with taxes. And by the way, you should be. Uh, I'm not saying you, Emily. I'm saying everyone who is a financial coach, a financial advisor, so on and so forth, you should be uncomfortable about taxes. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I have to correct clients' CPAs on the tax code. It's not because I'm so smart. It's because we're talking about something that I deal with all the time, and they deal with one every 500, once every 500 clients, right? Right. Um, And so when we look at that, uh, you know, you should feel lack of confidence around the tax code. If you don't, you don't understand the tax code enough, <laughs> right? right. Uh, 
And so, uh, and so when you have this situation, uh, by the way, when I have to correct the CPA, I feel lack of comp- confidence in that. And this is the process I use to address that, <laughs> right? Even when I know I'm right and the CPA is wrong, I still have a lack of confidence in it. And that's not necessarily right. a bad thing. Right. So the process, it, it can be very simple, which is have a copy of the current 1040, open up the 1040 and go line by line and just think about could this have an impact on something related to that line? Okay. Go through that. Now we've identified, oh yeah, there's an impact here. And then we've got a choice of how big of an impact this should, this could be. You have to know a lot about taxes to be able to make that determination. If it's a big impact or you don't know enough about taxes to make that determination, the process is talk to your CPA, ask them these four questions, give them the scenario and ask them to give you back the implications and what their thoughts are on it, and then bring it back so that we can use that in our decision making. Okay. Right? Right. I like Uh, that. Yeah. I don't have that. (laughs) Yeah. I had a client. Identified a gap in my process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a client that came in and, uh, I advised them to switch, uh, from, um, I advised them to open up a particular type of retirement plan. Their CPA then said, you chose the wrong retirement plan. This is the retirement plan you should have chosen because you would have been able to put more into the, into the account. And they said, hey, could you talk? And they said, uh, hey, could you answer me? This was a one-time client. So this was an ongoing client. Um, And basically the client said, why did you make the recommendation effectively? Now, I knew I was right, but I had a lot of healthy imposter syndrome in that moment. And so maybe I know more than you. Yeah. Yeah. My process was go and get the original documents for calculating from the IRS for those two types of plans and actually fill out the forms. Right. And see what the numbers are at the bottom based on the IRS. Right. Right. That was my process. Until you you do that full analysis. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? I was right, but I had a healthy dose of imposter syndrome and I should have. Are you ever wrong? Um, it's very rare that I'm wrong because I generally don't give answers to things that I don't have qualifications for, right? Yeah. So I, it is very common that I tell clients, we need to talk to your CPA before we make a step forward, or we need to talk to your attorney before we make a step forward, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm really good about stopping myself, even if I'm like 98% sure I've got the right answer, I'll still say, let's talk to your CPA. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Um, So I'm very, very careful about not putting myself in a position where my lack of knowledge about my lack of knowledge could cause a problem, right? I kind of stop myself way before that happens. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so one of the things I've heard as well is, so I guess, so if somebody says, ask that question, because I've heard that, I'm going to kind of come back to this one, which is, what do I talk about in the meeting? Then, I mean, what's your recommendation for that? 
So the recommendation there is absolutely you have to have a process, right? That that answer is a process answer. All the technical knowledge in the world isn't going to help because now all you're doing is just adding more complexity to what should I talk about, right? You know, if you have gone to Disneyland one time in your entire life and someone asks you, tell me about your trip to Disneyland, your question of what I should talk about is really short. It's basically just, you know, the eight things that happened to you on that one day. If you worked there for 12 years and then went another 20 years after that as an annual pass holder. Are you talking about yourself? No, I'm not. Definitely not talking about myself. No. <laughs> you know, if that's, but if that's your scenario, that's a lot more to talk about, right? So right. You know, and that's another thing to really think about is, is technical knowledge, is adding technical knowledge going to help or hurt this? If we're, of all the things I could talk about, what should I talk about in the meeting? Adding more technical knowledge doesn't help that, right? right. That's a process right. thing. Um, if we're at a point where I've covered everything that I need to cover, I've covered everything that I can cover with the person, so what should I talk about in the next meeting? Well, the answer to that is nothing. You've covered everything. So that's that right. you're, you need to have a process for ending the engagement with the client. If on the other hand, um, you are looking at um, you know, what I do with ongoing comprehensive financial planning, right? There needs to be a process for that, right? Our, the second quarter of the year, we do tax planning. So we look at their taxes for uh, last year, their tax return for last year. We do analysis on it. We make recommendations. We do a projection for next year. Then we do projections out 10, 20, 30, 40 years to look for opportunities to lower lifetime taxes. So what do I talk about during the meeting? It can't be, let's talk about tax ideas, right? right. I have mm -hmm. to have a process for collecting the tax return. I have to have a process for going through it and analyzing it and organizing that analysis. I have to have a process for identifying key things. I have to have a process for um, how we put together the projection for the current year, right? Part of that projection for the current year is what's your current income? Okay, now I have to pr have a process for collecting their most recent pay stub or having them gather the information, right? So as we look at all of these things, um, it's not just having a process for what are you going to talk about in the meeting? It's also having a process for how are you going to get all the things you need to be able to have that conversation in the meeting? Right. What do they have to collect ahead of time? How are you going to collect it? Where are you going to collect it? All and then what are you going to do with it at, afterward? Right. Yeah. Because right. if you do an hour meeting where you're going to look through their tax return, you're going to spend the entire tax return going like this. Hold on. I'm still reading. Exactly. Right. I'm going to finish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we look at that, at, at that, um, oftentimes that's a, that's very much a process thing, adding more technical knowledge to it. Again, what are we trying to solve for? Right. The problem is I don't know what to focus on in the meeting. I don't know what my agenda is. That has to be driven by process. I know. Cause I've heard a lot of, um, recommendations we'll say to, <laughs> to just basically say, and we've covered this before, so I don't want to I don't want to harp on this, but, you know, just come into a meeting and just say, 
hey, what do you want to talk about today? And we don't have to cover all of that. But it really does. I mean, I I feel so much more confident selling my products and also then working with clients of knowing exactly what we're going to talk about. Now, that said, you, it's not like it's the only thing you can talk about during the week, right? You can have other things. You could say, hey, what's top of mind today? And then you make sure you cover that as well. But to have a, and, and you can, and it's not like the engagement has to end after your program, because it, as you said, you have ongoing meetings with them throughout the year and it just, but you have to have a topic. You have to have a plan yeah. essentially for it. And that, yeah. If you are struggling with what do I do in those ongoing meetings other than, Hey, what's on your mind? <laughs> right. Then what you're really struggling with is having a legitimate reason to have ongoing meetings. Right. But that doesn't mean that no one can have ongoing meetings. That just right. means that you haven't figured out how to do it yet. Yeah. And maybe it's yeah. appropriate for some clients and not for others or some mm -hmm. niches, and not others, right? It just depends. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So this is one more I want to cover that is around that. I, I feel like I hear, I heard a lot, I think in the Dave Ramsey community more so than I hear here, but I do hear it sometimes in, in this group, which is I have clients either ask me directly, like, so how did you get out of debt? Or, hey, why I don't practice what I preach, um, whether it's because I don't regularly budget or because I'm not out of debt, whatever that is. But but how do I get over that side of kind of, it's kind of feeling like an imposter in a way of, well, I'm helping people get out of debt, but I'm not out of debt myself, right? Mm -hmm. So how do they get over that? Yeah, I think that a big part of it is really understanding what are you trying to accomplish, right? So I, I would argue, number one, I am not out of debt. And my goal is right. that I am never out of debt, right? right? Yeah. Uh, I would love to take my mortgage and turn it into a hundred year mortgage because of the interest <laughs> rate I got it at. It is a ridiculously good deal. <laughs> Right? I'm never moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I may move, but I'm not selling this house because I don't want to live 30 years from now. I'll sell the house. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is really what are you trying to accomplish? Right. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, I help clients. I will help clients get out of debt that is not positively impacting their long term finances. But I don't help clients get out of debt that does positively impact their long-term finances. My mortgage positively impacts our long-term finances. Got it. Got it. I was like, I was a little, yeah, those negatives were confusing me, but yeah. okay. That makes yeah. sense now. The, yeah, the double negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, so yeah, the, the, when we look at that, you know, being very clear about and understanding more and for people that say, oh, all debt is bad that is a sign that you don't understand finances sufficiently enough. I think to... that's why I heard that a lot in the Dave Ramsey group. Yeah. More so than here is because, yeah. because of that general idea of yeah. in the Dave Ramsey community is that all debt is bad. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. Debt can actually absolutely be horrifying. It could be extremely destructive. Right. But having that more nuanced view of understanding how debt is used properly right is is going to help a lot with dealing with that because now you have a more nuanced view of your own finances and your own debt um the second part of it is really understanding 
what it is, where you are in your journey. If you had $400,000 of credit card debt, and for the last five years, you have dropped the credit card debt by $20,000 a year, not added anything more to it, and have been using it wisely, and you have five years of consistently dropping it $20,000 every single year, I would argue that even though you are out of debt, you have demonstrated that you understand how to do it. Right. The process. Right. The process. It's, yeah. Right. Yeah. The process. Right. And the yeah, the habits and the mentality that are. Yeah, and it's yeah. five years. It's not like you started six months ago and you've been a, you've been able to keep up with it for six months. You've been able to keep right. up with it for half a decade. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when you look at that, then. I would argue, yeah, you probably do have it, even though you're not out of debt yourself. Right. So a lot of it is also just understanding those key things. Right. And then the last thing is getting knowledge from very, very valuable sources and realizing that that is a more beneficial thing than being able to get out of debt yourself. Yeah. I will tell you right now, if I had to choose a general contractor and one general contractor came to me and said, yeah, so I've been studying construction for years. I did this apprenticeship here and this apprenticeship here. And I, um, you know, studied uh, building code and architecture. So I understand the architectural plans, all this education. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is my first house. I've never built a house before. That's person number one. Right. Okay. Person number two. Yeah, no, I haven't really done any studying or anything. I built my house myself and, you know, it's fine. So that person's built a house. Right. I'm going to choose the first general contractor. Yeah. Because it's not just about has he done it before. Right. It's he's learned from some, from other people. Right who've done it 50,000 times, right? His architecture teacher, she designed 47 houses, right? He, right, he apprenticed right. under a plumber who, you know, worked for 20 years doing plumbing for large projects and so on, right? And so, you know, realize that the whole point of education and knowledge is that you're learning from other experts and, and it, incorporating their knowledge into yourself and that's one of the big dangers of diy in anything it goes back to my when i had my blinders of me as a, you know just with my own family just yeah i didn't know anything yeah. i mean I, I knew enough for my family well not really well you I knew enough that you were successful with it we were successful with it, but I think it wasn't perfect. And I've learned, yeah. I've changed a ton of stuff from what we had, the way we had it set up before quite a bit, actually. Yeah. As you know, some of it, but yes. Yeah. Too, so yeah. 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 Well, that makes sense. I didn't have any more specific questions. Is there anything specific? This was kind of more of a kind of a step back than the deep dive that you and Garrett did more from, I was trying to do it kind of from a, a coach's perspective again. So is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? 
Yeah, I would say just in general, if you have imposter syndrome, it is very important that you don't ignore it. Right. Right. It is. That is a really, really good sign that you are missing something important. And you either need to examine your process, you need to examine whether or not you need to learn more about something, or you need to examine whether or not you need to check what your beliefs are. So imposter syndrome is not a negative thing, right? It's not something to be overcome. It's something to be identified and embraced and look forward to. Right. Yeah. Because it will help you to be a better coach. If yeah. you have imposter syndrome, yeah. that's <laughs> scarier. Right. Right. That means that you probably don't know enough to know what you should be worried about. Yeah. I feel like so. I feel like. And so entering launch, I definitely realized all that I didn't know. And I still haven't learned at all. Yeah. So many videos, Josh, of yours that I haven't watched yet. There's <laughs> so much knowledge out there. And then I went through the AFCPE program, took the AFC exam, mm-hmm. all of that. And and even there, I feel, again, I feel even yeah. more so like, wow, I feel like I know so much more. And yet there's so much more that I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, the more knowledge you can get, and even the process, like I've got a, I have a pretty solid process in place, but I'm constantly like realizing, low, this needs work. And so, yeah, I feel like no matter how much I do, I feel like I need more. Yeah. And that's always going to be the case. That is never going to end. Um, There is too much knowledge in the world for any one person to learn. Except for you. Oh, no. There's plenty that I don't know. What do you not know? Right. Um, Oh, there's tons about taxes. I don't know. Oh, okay. Taxes are so complex. It is ridiculous. And law. Um, You've talked about that before. If you don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's lots and lots that I don't know, but I'm very, very careful to make sure that I am identifying. Yeah. That's something that's beyond what I do. And here's where you need to go to get that from this level of expertise. Right. And and that's the big thing that you don't see a lot in financial services in general is people and that financial coaches, financial advisors, insurance agents, whatever it happens to be, right? Um, Is people really taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't want to make a statement around this because I don't know enough. So I'm going to tell them, go talk to a different expert. Yeah. That's, one thing I've gained from the extra knowledge is the confidence to say that, yeah. to know that I don't know all of that. And it's okay. Yeah. You I don't need good saying it. Yeah. That's not my expertise, but let me help you find somebody that can help you with that. So, okay. Any, any other things? That's all I have. I mean, if we have anybody that wants us to touch on anything specific, we can do a follow-up episode if there's anything that we missed. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. 
If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.